Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning, please, to first, uh, 2 Corinthians, actually, chapter 1. We'll be beginning in verse 12. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. And so, Father, we thank you again. All our singing, the raising of our hands was because you're worthy of all of our praise and all of our honor. You are the one true living God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. You made the heavens and the earth. You made us, Lord. And Father, you have given us your salvation through your son, Jesus. And this morning, we're just so grateful for our salvation. Your son, Jesus, is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, we want to abide in you. We want to be your disciples. And we know that if we abide in your word, you say that we are your disciples indeed. Open up our hearts. Remove hardness of heart. Remove complacency and laziness and other concerns of this world and this life. And help us to focus right now on your word. Speak to us, Lord. Pour out your grace. Give us humble hearts to receive. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. Amen. All right, so the Apostle Paul, as you know, is writing this second letter to the church at Corinth that he established four years prior. It's a church that he he babied, basically. He planted. It's uh, it's his baby. He loves them. The first letter uh, that he sent to them was one of correction and instruction. It was pretty heavy because there was sin going on in the church that needed to be dealt with. And this letter is really a letter of thanksgiving in one sense because the majority of the church heeded his instructions and corrections and made things right. So he's really thankful for their response. Um, uh, but also there were uh, false teachers who have crept in and were trying to discredit Paul. And 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 these guys were trying to, uh, you know, make the people fall, turn them uh, to a different gospel, which isn't a gospel at all. And so for for a lot of this second letter, he's defending his apostleship. He's defending his calling because the calling had been given to him by God. And in a practical way, we have been called by God to do various things. Some of us are called to be fathers. Some of us are called to be mothers and grandparents and or, or children or siblings. We all have a calling from God and God wants us to know that that calling and that privilege has been given to us by God himself. And so let no one rob you of the authority that God has given to you. Because if you know that you are called, 
then you will be able to do a good job under the Lord in the calling of your life. Whatever the ministry or the gift you have, whatever it is, you must know that you are called. And, and he begins this letter by saying, uh, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. What are you this morning by the will of God? Do you know that it is truly the will of God who has called you? Well then, Know that he who called you is also faithful who will do it through you. You know, he called, he's a God of the fatherless. He's the God of the widow. He takes those that are in solitary and he puts them in families. He, in other words, he gets people who don't know how to do family. He saves them and then equips them on how to do family. He gets those who don't know nothing about a good marriage and then he, he cleanses them. He saves them and then he teaches them how to be uh, have a good marriage. And we know nothing about church, a lot of us, and churchy activities, but then we get saved and cleansed, and he calls us into doing church stuff, and he teaches us how to even do that. We're all learning, we're all growing, but I think one of the first things ever is we must believe without a doubt that he has called you, because Satan wants us to deny that we have been called, that we have been loved, that God has a plan for us. Satan wants us to deny that and, and get us out of the battle. Amen. He goes on in the beginning of his letter uh, to bless God by saying, referring to God as the father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulations so that we can comfort those in trouble with the same comfort or consolation in which we have received. He refers to God as the God of all mercy, God of mercies, which he is. We deserve death, but Jesus died on the cross for our sins. It's his blood that cleanses us. It's our, it's his blood that redeems our soul from the pit of hell. And so, uh, uh, he is the God of all mercies. Mercy means uh, not getting what we deserve. Because of Jesus, we're not getting the hell that we deserve. And his mercies are new every day. He's the father of mercies, but he's also the God of all comforts, which most of us in this room have experienced God's comfort in this crazy world as we live, as we try to be good Christians and all the trials and all the sufferings and all the heartache of this world because it's a fallen world that we face all the the same hardships as those in the world, but even more so because we we battle spiritually. And so we have been comforted by God and God is the God of all comfort, Paul says, who comforts us in all of our tribulations, all of them. And Jesus said in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And he says that we should be of good cheer because he knew all along that the comforter, the Holy Spirit would be given to us to comfort us in all of our tribulation. And he does. Then Paul went on to speak of some of the sufferings and the afflictions that he faced uh, as a as a Christian, as an apostle. He said, as the sufferings abound in us, so our consolation in Christ. His affliction and troubles that he faced in Asia were for the church's comfort and salvation. But God delivered Paul from all of it, even, even as he despaired of life itself. The afflictions, the persecutions were so tough on Paul that he despaired even of life. But he said that he who raises the dead helped him. You also helping together in prayer on our behalf. And so he says that 
you know, he was in despair of life. It was that hard. But God, who raises the dead, delivered him, does deliver him, and will deliver him future tense of all of the afflictions. These are promises that we love, that we hold on to, that we should embrace as Christians as we stand for the Lord, that no matter what comes against us for standing for his morals, no matter what the devil, the world, or our flesh throws at us, God will deliver us. He who raised Christ from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead, is the same Spirit that gives life to our mortal bodies. God will deliver us. And that's why the Apostle Paul would write that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. It seems like in his life, as he served the Lord, as he was standing for God's precepts, whatever came at it, he would just focus on the cross, focus on the resurrection, and be encouraged and not quit and not give up, not call it quits. That was Paul. And then he says, and your prayers for us as well. So the Corinthians received the first letter well, and they were praying for him. And we need to pray for one another. We need to pray for one another more than ever before. Uh, the Apostle Peter wrote in his epistle that the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be uh, serious and watchful in your prayers. We have to be serious and watchful in our prayers like never before. I can feel your prayers. I need more prayers. You need more prayers. Let's pray for one another. That is the strength and the backbone of our church. That is the strength and backbone of our families that we pray. And they prayed for him. And so that's the background. It's really the beginning of the letter. And here he begins in verse 12. He says, For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you. And so the Apostle Paul is saying here that he 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 um, has this boast, and, it, and it's a godly boast, that his conscience is clear to the Corinthian church that that his his conduct or their conduct around the church when they went there amongst them and preached Jesus, that his conduct in the world was that of simplicity and of godly sincerity. And the words uh, simplicity means singleness or the state of being unmixed or uncompounded, the state of not being complex, freedom from a propensity to cunning or, or stratagem, freedom from duplicity. In other words, he came to them in humility, in meekness, he kept things simple. I believe the Apostle Paul was a brilliant man. He learned under the, the famous teacher in Jerusalem, Gamaliel. Homeboy can, can, you know, spit scriptures, can, 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 can speak history, and he had a wide range of knowledge. But he, understanding the way our God works, that God is not impressed with man's intellect. He's not impressed with man's sophistication and man's need to be known as somebody or someone uh, of, of, of an elite mind or something lame like that, which is how the world is today. We have elitists trying to unite together to run the world. Amen? That's the world we live in. We're smarter than you guys. You guys just do what we say when we say it and don't ask questions. That's the world we're living in. We're heading towards the Antichrist. And he's all about control. The mind, the heart, 
what you will eat, what you will buy, what you will sell. Amen? So we can see through that. Singleness. Simplicity, in other words. And, and godly sincerity. There was no duplicity with Paul. He didn't want to take anything from them. He loved them. He was loved by Christ. And thus, his whole heart was to give in love the truths of the kingdom of God. He wasn't there to rob them. And the false teachers were coming in. You think they came in with simplicity? You think they came in with uh, godly sincerity? No, they came in with worldly wisdom. Or what does it say here? Yeah, uh, worldly uh, or fleshly wisdom, which basically means that with the wisdom they brought, it was for their own glorification. It was to puff themselves up so that they can be seen and known as, look at the knowers. They know stuff. And all of that is grotesque to the kingdom of God. We must, he must increase and we must decrease. The older I get, the more I trust in the simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity of his power. Meek is strength under control. Jesus can, can crush us all with one thought. And yet he doesn't. He's a king of kings, Lord of lords, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He will not be mocked, yet he loves us and he's for us if we've given him our heart, if we've given him our trust. His strength is for us. And so if he's so powerful, you don't have to wield such a big sword. You can just cruise and say, peace be still, and that storm will go who are you? What did he say when he was arrested? Who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. And they all just fell back. He's strong. So the apostle Paul went in there with godly wisdom, simplicity, easy breezy, keep it simple, which blesses my heart. I need simplicity because my brain ain't that big. Maybe it was, but it got hurt during the party years. What I got left, it, let's keep it simple. <laughs> I know God gave some people big brains and I, I just sit back and watch like a cheerleader as they formulate and quantify and whatever. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. Jesus died on the cross, right? And that's basically what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Keeping it simple. We don't have to know everything about the Bible to witness and to share our faith. Just tell people what God has done for you. And don't worry about the results. And don't worry what people will think about you. Jesus had plenty of haters. He was the greatest teacher in the history of mankind. And he was 50-50 at the cross. One guy said yes. And the other thief said no, it's okay. I'll pass. 50-50. Right? So can we expect any better? Or any less? Just share Jesus, you've been called. Share it with everybody. 
He says here, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you. Do you know that every good thing that you do in the name of Jesus that actually works out, it's because of his grace. It's his unmerited gift to you. It's a gift that we receive that we have no business having. He gives it to us because he loves us. It's an unmerited gift. The fact that Paul preached in Corinth and the church was planted and it exploded and it's doing well, that is grace. And he goes, there's no need for me to try to muster up in my own strength or intellect. It's just God's grace. Remember that when you want to serve the Lord. It's about his grace. And he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. If you want more grace, humble yourself before God. And he will give you more grace. But if you're prideful, he, he will resist you. That means he's, he's actually fighting against you. Isn't that crazy? That's how important humility is and meekness. It's full dependency on God, knowing that he has the keys of David. He can open doors that no one can shut and shut doors no one can open. There's no need for us to kick down doors. There's no need for us to force ourselves into ministry or to force ourselves into a job if God wants it, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, can give it to us. All he has to do is say the word. It's by grace alone. And too many people have received grace and have not thanked the Lord for that grace. And I think that a lot of people get uh, stopped by the Lord because he's given grace and, and they don't give him the glory for it. They don't continue to live for him in gratitude. And in Ephesians 1, 6, Paul says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, to the praise of the glory of his grace. If you praise him for the grace that he's given you, then he'll give you more grace. If not, then it'll stop. And so, <clears throat> not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and more abundantly toward you. For we are not writing any other things to you than what you read or understand. Um, now I trust you will understand even to the end, as also you have understood us in part, that we are your boast as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. And so he's writing, he wrote to them and is writing to them. That's something that they didn't understand or had read before. They, they get it. They, they get, they, un they're understanding because they received the first letter. Don't be impressed with a man, with the, with the appearance of, of men. Don't judge by the outside, by the cover of a book. Don't give preference to people in your heart because you think that they're so sophisticated and so elite. And don't be that way. Ident you know, identify with the simple. Hang out with the simple and with the humble. And so he's, he's saying this, these aren't things that you hadn't heard before. And then he says uh, this kind of wonderful, they had a common boast towards one another. He says, uh, that you, that we are your boast as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. So the fact that they responded positively to Paul, he says, man, you are our boast. Like we, we are so blown away 
by the response, the obedience to the word of God, the obedience to Christ. You are, we are so proud of you, Paul is saying. And he goes, and I know that we are your, that they are proud of him. Paul knew that they were proud of him. Paul knew that within the Corinthian church, the majority were defenders of Christ and defenders of the apostle Paul and would stand up to the false teachers, which God is calling us to do the same today because the apostasy, the falling away, is going to be more prevalent in the churches and more and more false teachers are going to spring up and a lot of the old teachers are going to lose their way. And and so we have to stay on course and... and uh, we have to be blessed and proud when we see each other doing well in the Lord. And how are we doing well in the Lord? How do we know this? I know John the Beloved would write, there's no greater joy than for a father to know that his children walk with the Lord. I am proud of everyone. I mean, I just love our church as an under-shepherd, as a sheepdog, equal with you guys. I am so blessed at our church and how the reception of the word has been throughout the years. And, and, uh, Maybe you're proud of us too. Who knows? <laughs> I, knows. I get sweet letters sometimes, but as long as I'm honoring the Lord, that's all that matters. Amen. And I don't really need those applauses at the end, but whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah, I got one guy to start it every time. We, I give him 50 bucks every week and you start it. <laughs> Glory to him. You know, it's his grace. Verse 15. And in this confidence, I intended to come to you before that you might have a second benefit to pass by way of you to Macedonia, to come again from Macedonia to you and be helped by you on my way to Judea. Therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh that with me there should be yes, yes and no, no? And so what's happening here is that the false teachers were trying to discredit Paul and say, look, he, this guy can't be a real apostle. He doesn't keep his word. He said he was going to go visit you guys in Corinth, and he didn't come. He's not a real apostle of Jesus Christ. That's what was being said. So the apostle Paul is saying, no, this is what happens. He's defending himself. This is what happened. I plan to go see you through Macedonia and then on the way back, see you again so that you could have a double blessing. And then that as I went by, you would, you, what does he say? He says that, that I could be helped by you on my journey, which is cool. A little side note, a little sidebar that he, he said in his travels that he planned to go to Corinth, part of that was he expected them to help him on his journey. And I, and I, and I love the church family. The Bible says to carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And you know, it's not that we carry everybody's load in a sense of their daily loads, but extraordinary hardships. I love that we at Sweet Hills will help each other out. There'll be meals for those who are sick. There's visits, there's calls, there's a prayer chain. There's all of these wonderful ministries to help each other out on our journey as he expected the Corinthian church to do for him. I'm so blessed that we do that here and pray for more of that in 2024. We have the, what the helping hands ministry now going on. So God's building it up, but it's a beautiful thing to expect that. But I also, we're also careful 
When people need help, we make sure that it's an extraordinary burden and not just like, hey, you know, stuff they should be doing. Yeah, can somebody come and take my trash out? You know, somebody wash my car. You know, are you in the hospital that you can't do it? You know what I mean? It has to be extraordinary. But anyways, he's explaining to them why he didn't go. He said, therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things... I plan. Do I plan according to the flesh? Ask yourself. Paul says, he's telling them, do you think I make up my plans lightly? Do you think I make up my plans according to the flesh? He's sharing with them as an apostle. He doesn't just get our, his 2024 calendar and says, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this and do that. And I think I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. And then I'll go here and I'll go there. No, with Paul, it was like prayed through. When, when, Lord, when do you want me to go here? And when, Lord, do you want me to go there? And that's a good reminder for all of us in 2024. Pray through your schedule. Pray through your calendar. Be open to God's will before your will. You know, there are things popping up. I have, uh, you know, um, some opportunities that I'm praying. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.